Hey all you new gods and boom tubers, this is one of your co-hosts Mike Booch here. I just wanted to give you a friendly trigger warning. The following episode while dealing with comic books also deals with the themes of that comic book and those themes are depression, um, mental health, family trauma, suicide. We are not experts on these subjects. We are just speaking from our own personal experiences and from the experience of those close to us. Wanted to let you know that if you are feeling any suicidal thoughts, you can go to the suicidepreventionlifeline.org and you can also call them at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you very much for listening, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Hi Father, a.k.a. Thought Free, a.k.a. Chunky Flashman, a.k.a. Dark Side Jizz. I'm not proud of that one. And I am joined with me, as always, by my sensual co-host. Please give it up for Mr. Ty. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And we are here today to review Tom King's 12-issue run on Mr. Miracle, the DC Comics New Gods character, courtesy of Jack Kirby, the, the late and great King Jack Kirby. Yeah, the comic that proves Tom King can write, uh, because I hate his Batman. But, <laughs> but Mr. Miracle is quite the ride. Yeah, I was wondering how you were going to approach this, knowing... I mean, you've already read Tom King's works before Batman, and it just seems like Batman is the odd one out for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really like his writing. Uh, I met him at Comic-Con. I think he's an awesome guy. He was really down to earth. Um, I, I really like his stuff. I just hate his Batman. So uh, I, I already read the first issue of Mr. Miracle a while ago, and I really enjoyed it. I just, um, with like lim- like limited runs like this, I just decided not to stick with it and, and wait for the trade. So, uh, yeah, you know, I waited. I read it recently, and it was quite quite a read, man, quite a read. Yeah, I was uh, in, a, in a similar boat that, like, I knew it was coming out, I knew it was good, but I thought it was actually just kind of one of those comedy comic books that was coming out, because every time I saw something online about it, it was just like, oh, this funny moment that happened in Mr. Miracle, and I was like, oh, all right, I'll get to it when I do. I was at the LCS recently, and uh, they have, like, a $3 bin of trade paperbacks for, like, comics that are damaged or something, and this one had a rip in it. It was signed. By Tom King. Yeah, and it blows my mind. Three it. bucks. That's crazy. Yeah, and they got it, and I got it for three bucks, and I was I was blown away. Uh, before we get into Mister Miracle, I had some housekeeping I wanted to cover. Go for it. All right. So first off, the Avengers beta is out. Is Avengers a PS4 exclusive or? It is not. It is uh, on Xbox as well, but Spider Man is an exclusive character to the PS4 version, which has brought up a lot of. Um, a lot of tension between the uh, the gamers and the developers. Oh yeah. boy! Uh, no, I'm for it. I mean, luckily I pre-ordered on the PlayStation, uh, but I I played the beta. I think it when d- did the beta stop? Was it only a certain amount of time? Because 
I definitely got it too late if that was the case. No, so like it's in waves. So like if you pre-ordered, you get you get the start week one. Uh, then like I think they're gonna roll it out for people who didn't pre-order next week. Like they're they're gonna do it like in waves so that everybody gets a chance to try it. But you get like um, a little bit of a chance to play it early if you pre-ordered. So you'll definitely get a chance to play. You just may have missed your uh, exclusive time. Well, I I did play some of it and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, they the the like opening tutorial is this like huge like attack that that's that's happening and each of the Avengers has their own part to play in it so you play each individual Avenger and it, it's pretty it's pretty badass it's pretty cool yeah I've heard some mixed things I heard the the story the single player is pretty good the characters are really well done I heard Iron Man's really annoying um, and I heard that the <laughs> multiplayer is not great oh well. I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll be the judges of that. Yeah, it's only a beta, so you know it, it, you can't really get a full full idea, but it, it just it lets you get a taste. Do you have any fun stuff going on you want to talk about? No, I've uh, well, I, I've been rewatching the Mad Max films after we reviewed Fury Road, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I never I'd never seen Beyond Thunderdome, so I got to watch that for the first time. Uh, not my favorite of the Mad Max series, but it was it was <laughs> it had some cool stuff. Uh, and I actually started playing the Mad Max game again for the first time in a long time. And I both love it and hate it, if that makes any sense. It has the worst control scheme I think I've ever played. Uh, but some of the coolest ideas and upgrading your uh, your car is pretty badass. All right, now I'm going to have to get on that one, too. Because I do have it. I think I played, like, the demo forever. Yeah. Ago, I, I think my mom got it for you, honestly. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I definitely got it from someone on your side. On, yeah. on your side of the road there. It's definitely worth playing. As we approach our way towards uh, Mad Max Hellscape, I just wanted to cover a few things that uh, that have happened recently uh, because being who we are, it would kind of suck to not cover them. Right. Uh, oh, and I want to apologize in advance also for uh, all of the landscaping noises that you hear outside. We do our best to try and keep it professional here at the Politipop Podcast, but uh, they are uh, they're cleaning up all of the, the waste that was left from the most— re- was it a hurricane or a tropical storm? Uh, it was, it became a tropical storm for us. Okay. So yeah, a tropical storm that we were recently hit with, yeah. uh, that I will call acai bowl because nobody's able to pronounce the actual name either. So, <laughs> uh, tropical storm acai bowl and, um, you know, some people, some people are still without power and others, uh, yeah. have branches cleaned up during their podcast. We all struggle in our own ways is yeah. my point. I mean, but- we're, we're in quarantine, so we're out of the studio, you know, we <laughs> Yes, yes, the, the studio that we totally normally have, the professional <laughs> fucking studio <laughs> that we record in. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's been some unrest in Chicago recently. Did you hear about this? What? No, tell me more. Chicago protests, restrictions imposed after chaotic night of unrest. Uh, a lot of these articles are written shittily, and I'll explain why. Chicago police will limit access to this city center after a night of violence and looting following reports of a police shooting. Uh, right there, that's pretty much the thing, is that every article, or 99% of the articles you'll find, will be like, looting and violence and looting and stealing and protests, and, and then it'll be like, also there was a guy who got shot. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how it always is. Um, 
Mr. Brown on Monday told reporters the seeds for this shameful destruction we saw last night were sown on Sunday afternoon when police responded to a report of a man with a gun. Mr. Brown said police attempted to interview the suspect who fled and fired shots at the officers. Officers returned fire, striking the individual who Mr. Brown described as a 20-year-old man with four prior arrests. The suspect is in hospital and expected to survive. After this shooting, a crowd gathered on the south side following the police action. The police action. That's a great way yeah. to describe shooting. Just say it's a shooting. You'd yep. like, just say it's a shooting. If, if they were justified, then you don't have to fucking worry about it. Like, uh, tempers flared, fueled by misinformation. <laughs> this is from BBC also. Um, but uh, this is actually someone else's description. It's not BBC. I mean, they're pro-cop too, so... Just Are they? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> They're pro-coppers. Um, <laughs> uh, Follow police action. Tempers flared, fueled by misinformation as the afternoon turned into evening, Mr. Brown said. Uh, Chicago police became aware of several social media posts encouraging looting downtown. I'm sure that's all it takes. Uh, he described car caravans. Oh, people are looting? I'll get on that. Um, he <laughs> described car caravans heading into the downtown area on Sunday night and said 400 officers were dispatched there. Criminals took to the streets with confidence there would be no consequences for their actions. Mr. Brown said, I, I should have gone back earlier in the article to say who Mr. Brown was, but I'll link to it in the show notes. You figure it out yourself. I, for one, refuse to allow these cowardly acts to hold our city hostage. Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I, I've seen a couple things uh in and out about this i'm gonna be honest i haven't seen enough details to really form like a great opinion on it yet but if anything i've seen recently uh has proven true it's that this probably isn't exactly the way the police are telling it it's that they're making the looting the the viewpoint uh the entire focal point of the of the problem as opposed to why people were looting one article said that uh it reignited that this shooting reignited the talk of uh police brutality and black lives matter like it still hasn't been happening this whole fucking time yeah well people are moving on you know it was like a a a fad right you're like all right like yeah black lives matter all right it's been two weeks we can get back to normal and that's that's not okay you know like if you really care you're gonna keep this discussion going um you're gonna keep you know supporting the movement but yeah, I mean, like, it's the narrative, right? That they just keep keep trying to spin, and uh, you know, makes a good headline, it makes good stories. But you know, this stuff is not stopped; it keeps going, and it's just more of the same. Yeah, and uh, someone had mentioned on Twitter that it was a 15-year-old kid that was shot, and then somebody else showed a picture of him and was like, "This is clearly a 20-year-old man." And uh, honestly, I don't, I, I, I still don't know what to believe. But it doesn't matter. I, I guess no. I mean, honestly. It, it doesn't. Like someone was killed, you know, and and no one should be killed. That that's the whole point, right? That it doesn't matter if they were looting. Uh, it doesn't matter if they were burning cars. They didn't deserve to be killed, right? No one deserves to be killed. Oh well, then they'll hit you with the whole narrative of oh he allegedly fired shots at the officers. Like that's the thing. As soon as you say that, like he fired shots at the officers, I'm like while running away. That's the second time we've heard that recently, right? Like I. I, I just I don't believe your side. You know, if you guys if it would if it had been like at least a year since the last time you unjustly killed a civilian, I'd be like, all right, well maybe we should hear their side. But like, no, it hasn't been. If if there's yeah. a precedent, so sorry. How how accurate was his uh, running away shots? You know, 
Oh well, you know, apparently he was uh, he was John Wick levels of marksmanship <laughs> because they felt threatened. I did see in another article that thirteen police were injured, and somebody said like they were injured from bottles that were thrown at them and stuff. And it's like, okay, I I guess that sucks, but still, like you're getting bottles thrown at you, and you're wear like you're wearing armor. You guys have like gear to withstand all that stuff. I'm you know I'm sorry. And what does an injury count as? A bruise? You know, scratch from some shattering glass or like a legit you were hit in the eye and blinded permanently like a journalist trying to cover police brutality. Yeah. I mean, this is you what know. you see in other countries, right? Like uh, Israel and Palestine and, and, you know, many others, too, where you see, you know, protesters throwing rocks and then being shot. And people are like, oh, well, that's not right. But then we do it here and they're like, well, fuck them. They were throwing stuff at the police. And it's like you, you can't have it both ways. You know, it, do, do you think that murder is justified? And. I guess if you do, then uh, we know what kind of person you are. Well, they do. And once again, we have to let you know that despite the narrative we've been fed since the day we were born, cops aren't supposed to kill guilty people either. Nope. No matter how awesome it looks when, you know, Elliot Stabler might lose his shit on Law & Order uh, SVU or no matter how badass it was uh, when Woody Harrelson blew that guy's brains out in True Detective, you know, like, they, we we have our justice system for a reason which once again I know, I know it's incredibly flawed but that's why we have a judge and a jury and, and like trials and everything that it's not supposed to be that people just get killed because they they did a crime you know yeah. let them let them be sentenced we've basically gotten rid of the death penalty and yet people are fine with a cop shooting someone in the streets so I don't I don't understand that. You know, we, we, we won't kill them after a trial, after evidence, right? People, you know, are okay getting rid of the death penalty there, but then we'll, we'll just murder them in, in, you know, in the streets with, without even a chance to defend themselves in a, in a trial, you know, in a court of law. I don't know. It just, uh, it seems really, really, really messed up. Well, the people that are pro that are also pro death penalty. Like, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, I guess they are. You know, I guess they are. It's the same cross section. Until, until they're in that position. Yes, yeah, then, then it's, oh, don't I got rights? Don't I got rights? Um, I don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that too. <laughs> All right, next on the, on the agenda, shooting near White House that interrupted Trump briefing is under Secret Service review. No gun found on suspect. Washington, an eternal, an eternal or an internal, an internal investigation has been launched into the shooting of a 51-year-old suspect by a Secret Service officer near the White House complex late Monday, which prompted agents to briefly remove President Donald Trump from a press briefing. Shit, an Antifa assassination attempt. Is that what he said on Twitter? <laughs> no, I probably, but... <laughs> okay. uh, shortly before 6 p.m., according to an agency statement, the man allegedly approached a Secret Service uniformed officer standing post about a block from the White House grounds, telling the officer that he had a weapon. The sus- quote-unquote, the suspect then turned around, ran aggressively towards the officer, and in a drawing motion, withdrew... S- they could have just said with, withdrew an object. Maybe they're trying to meet a character minimum. Uh, <laughs> and in a drawing motion, withdrew an object, an object from his clothing, the agency said. He then crouched into a shooter stance as if about to fire a weapon. The Secret Service officer discharged his weapon, striking the individual in the torso. No firearms found on the suspect, said a law enforcement official who was not authorized to comment publicly. Yeah, he looked like he was going to shoot an imaginary object. He just... He got run into that firing position, so they had no choice. Dude, I, whatever. I mean, it, 
it seemed like it was something more nefarious than it was. Like they were like, oh, there was a shooting outside the White House. And it's like, yeah, a Secret Service guy shot an unarmed dude. Yeah, who, they want you to be like, man. oh, my God, Trump was going to get assassinated. You know, that's that's what they're trying to tell you. Like, or make uh, you believe. Yeah, exactly. And which just let me know when someone succeeds. I'll read that article. <laughs> All right. Next on the agenda, and this is a little more relevant to what we're talking about today because we're covering a DC comic book. DC Comics hit with huge layoffs. DC Universe streaming service could be dead. The Warner Media branch of Warner Brothers was hit with a ton of layoffs today, and things seem especially dire this evening for the Warner-owned DC Comics. According to The Hollywood Reporter, a number of high-ranking people at DC are now out, including Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris, several senior VPs, and some editors, including Executive Editor Mark Doyle, who is in charge of the publisher's edgy new Black Label graphic novels. We reviewed one on the podcast uh, last night on Earth. Furthermore, THR's re- The Hollywood re- uh, Reporter... Uh, sources say the layoffs have come for roughly one-third of DC's entire editorial staff, as well as the majority of the people working on the DC Universe streaming service, and the DC Direct merchandise brand has been completely shut down after 22 years of selling Batman toys. Very weird that they noted that's all they sold. The wow. DC Universe layoffs... Per- <laughs> I guess so. The DC Universe layoffs... It was Booster Gold and Batman. Everyone got Batman. I don't understand. The DC Universe layoffs uh, see particularly noteworthy, at least as far as tangible chance for the general public goes, since they almost certainly portend some bad news for DC Universe itself. All right, whatever. So um, there's other stuff in the article. We'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, I saw a lot of it on Twitter because I... Now that I've disabled Facebook on my phone, I'm finding other ways to fill that void. <laughs> and uh, and that's pretty fucked up. There's like a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, we stand with all the people who are fired by D.C., blah, blah, blah. Uh, people who still have jobs uh, at D.C. <laughs> normally. But that's um, that's yeah. rough. I mean, if I could correct the headline, uh, D.C. Universe should be shut down. Just just putting it out there. The uh, <laughs> The app. Because it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've really been struggling. Um, the, the DC app is a great example. You know, it was a great idea. A lot of lot of streaming services out there. Uh, you know, Disney's got its own. Obviously, Netflix is still king. There's a lot out there. I think every every group has their own, right? HBO Max. Uh, I think even, like, NBC has its own. You know, Peacock, all these different ones. Uh, DC Universe did not have a consistent amount of content. Um, and they put a lot of their content out to other people, like uh, Star Girls on CW or, or whatever it's called now. Uh, they yeah, have... that was supposed to be a DC Universe exclusive that yep. had a lot of hype, and it actually mentions that later in the article. Uh, but nope, they it, it, they aired it on the CW. Like, oh man, yeah, Doom Patrols doing? on HBO. You know, like they're, they're like Harley hey, Quinn, which yeah, is arguably the <laughs> yes. best show. It's like Harley Quinn and Titans. You know, that was their jam. <laughs> I heard Doom Patrol was amazing, uh, and they quickly put that on HBO. Uh, like you said, Harley Quinn as well. So it's like, pay for our streaming service, but you can also watch it here. So um, I never got that. And also, like, all their animated films that constantly come out, they are not free on there, the new ones. You would still have to go and rent them for, for a certain amount of time. Seriously? So, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, like, whenever a new one comes out, I think... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, Red Sun Superman and Red Sun just came out. That was yeah. not on the app. You couldn't you couldn't watch that for free. It's like why why even have this app? You know why have the streaming service if if we can't even watch the content on there? So I, I get why they they were not successful there. Um, but it is a shame to see so many people being laid off. You know from what you would typically think of as a as a successful company. I would typically consider DC to be a successful company. As a matter of fact, I guess outside of their comics, though, they kind of drop the ball a lot. Obviously, their cinematic universe is not nearly as successful as Marvel. Their animated movies have taken quite the dive. Um, their streaming service is dead in the water. So it's a tough spot to be in. We just became like the next G four podcast or something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it does suck. Uh, like there, there was some stuff I really wanted to see on the DC Universe app, but the uh, poor son of a bitch who I was mooching off of for the for the app, uh, Simon, ended up canceling his membership. So what are you going to do? That bastard. Uh, but I know, right? Uh, but the wild thing to me is like, yeah, like they don't have enough of their own content either. Like I had trouble finding the the Batman movies on the DC Universe streaming app. Yeah. It also just isn't user-friendly either, but it does have such great content, but you got to search for it. And, you know, like I was saying, you don't have 1989 Michael Keaton as Batman? Are you kidding me? Yeah. like what, You know, Disney Plus was was pretty popular when it came out because it had so much content. Uh, HBO Max has a ridiculous amount of content. And, like, the DC Universe app, you know, streaming service just has, like, nothing. They really have very limited. How much was DC Universe a month? I believe it was seven ninety nine a month. Seven ninety nine, and here I think I, I get six ninety nine for Disney Plus. Yep. And even when there were certain like movies that they didn't have a hundred percent of the rights to yet, they were waiting a few months. I was able to get those on Netflix. You know, it's yeah. not like it's not like Disney Plus was expensive enough to really be a competitor with with netflix like i had to choose one or the other so like all right i want to yep. watch infinity war i'll go to netflix and then i want to watch endgame i'll go to disney plus like well D- disney know. also smartly would have like an estimated time for those movies they'd be like all right like check back in july check back in september you know we're, we're gonna have this soon uh any interface was a lot easier to use and a lot more user-friendly oh 100 times more user-friendly i also wanted to talk about uh what trump just did and then we were talking a little bit off mic before, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, so I have an article here from CNBC.com. Uh, Trump signs orders aimed <laughs> at extending some pandemic relief after Congress fails to reach a deal. How heroic. Uh, the article goes on to say, President Donald Trump on Saturday signed a series of ex- executive orders expanding coronavirus economic relief to Americans struggling during the pandemic. The president's four orders extend unemployment benefits, provide a payroll tax holiday, defer student loan payments through 2020, and extend the federal protections from evictions. Trump's orders will quickly face a legal challenge as continuing the programs will require federal funding, which Congress controls. We're going to save American jobs and provide relief to the American workers, Trump said during a press conference at his private golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Trump said he will. Have yeah, Trump said he will establish a payroll tax holiday for the end of the year to Americans earning less than a hundred thousand per year, and instruct the Treasury Department to allow employ- employers to defer payment of the employee portion of certain payroll taxes. However, there's no guarantee workers will receive that money. Trump added that if re-elected in November, he would look to extend the deferral and terminate the tax, which funds Social Security and Medicare programs. The president's orders also extend the weekly unemployment bonus at a reduced level of $400 per week instead of the $600 per week federal unemployment insurance that was approved in March expired at the end of July. Trump states, 
uh, said states will need to cover 25% of the $400 weekly bonus. Um, so yeah, this was Trump's big move. I know a lot of people have been wow. talking about how, wow, you know, look at That's him. He's making a move. You know, he's, he's helping people. He's helping Americans. Um, well, as you can see, he legally really isn't allowed to do this, first of all. Um, second of all, uh, yes, the $400 is nice. At least he's doing that. Um, you know, it is reduced from the $600, but, I, you know, that, that was great. But the uh, cutting the payroll tax really is not going to work. Um, what they're saying is that a lot of employers can keep that. And For all the, the idiots out there who don't host this podcast with you, um, what uh, <laughs> what what exactly is the payroll tax? Because I completely know. I just want you to say it's tax on it's tax on your paycheck, basically. That okay, you, that you we get, pay, not yes, that, that our we employers pay. pay. Yeah, and that goes towards uh, it, you know, towards Medicare, towards okay, cool. uh, Social Security. But the, the idea is that all those um, terrible your, your employer takes it out of your paycheck and then pays the government. Uh, what they're saying here is that we, you know, that's that tax is no longer uh, required. You know, we don't have to be charged that. But here's, you know, here's the deal that employers can still take that money out of our paycheck and hang on to it in the in the fear that they may have to pay that later on. So there's can nothing and probably will. Yes. So there's no guarantee that that employees will actually see that money. Uh, and, and almost guaranteed they won't see that money because if you're an employer, you're going, well, Trump just illegally did this. What are the odds that, you know, come tax season, they're going to say, well, you owe this money. So um, it, it is not a fix by any means. Um, what, what it really seems to me and, and to many, you know, many articles I've read and, and, and people I've spoken to that it seems like he's trying to, you know, prompt Congress to get a move on with their deal, the stimulus package. Um, because he's up for re-election, you know what I mean, and 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 it would look, would never look better for him than to have something uh, pushed through that stimulus package because of actions he took. You know, he could say, "Look, I made this happen. I got Americans relief." So I, I think that's what he's trying to do here. Um, but he's fooling people. You know, even my mom seemed kind of like, "Wow, I can't believe he did that." And I'm like. No, like you, you have to read between the lines. <laughs> Listen to the Thank podcast. You, uh, you know, he is he is trying to push his um his reelection. So he, obviously he's going to do things that will make him look good. Um, and this does look, make him look good from a headline standpoint. But it is not a fix, uh, nor is it a legal action. But it's an amazing move too, though. Like, I mean, oh, ironically, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> like. So ironically, he came into this whole presidency with like, I'm the deal guy, I'm the deal guy, but loves executive orders, which is like the opposite of making a deal. You'd think that something that on paper favors the working people so much that that would be what, you know, a bipartisan uh, vote. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't be tough to put that through. But, yeah, there are sh- shortcomings that will probably be spotted out, like you mentioned. Uh, I do think it's interesting also to be like, oh, well, uh, state government has to pay 25 percent of the extension. You know, meanwhile, like how many state governments are suffering from covid related uh, problems? You know, it's and but however, if these people now if the states now refuse to pay that, it's like, all right, well, it's the state's fault. It's your governor's fault. You have weak leadership like he just continues to turn people against their own governors, uh, against their own lawmakers. It, It that it really is an incredible move. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, good, good on him. You know, wow, well played, well played. You got sir. us on this one, <laughs> you son of a I mean, bitch. <laughs> and also, like a chance to to do something for small business owners when 
you clearly haven't been looking out for them in the first place, but now it's like, oh, well, you guys have your own money to hold on to. Yep. Don't worry, yep. you know, despite, you know, whichever businesses are still actually left in business. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and if you're on unemployment, obviously you're like, fuck, I'm, what am I going to do? Right. What am I going to do? I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to live on $200 a week. Uh, but now you got that extra 400, you know, that's, it, it's not enough, but it's livable. Right. So it's something. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I am, you know, and I'll yeah. gladly take that extra 400, but, uh, nah, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> fuck the government. I don't really give a shit. It's the least they could do uh, for us, but it's not nearly yeah. enough. I've been working since I was 12 years old. So like, don't like, <laughs> don't work it since I was twelve years old. Yeah, you know, like fuck, fuck them. You know, back in my day, <laughs> I, I I just I I guess I have a little boomer in me. You know, it's <laughs> speaking of boomers, let's talk about some boom tubes and get to Ooh, Tom King and Miss Miracle. That. That's good. Now I do want to address some Tom King drama that happened recently. So. You might have seen uh, trending on Twitter, uh, hashtag Tom King hates Asians, which caught me off guard because as if you go to Tom King's Twitter, like he's very like anti-Trump, anti-racism, like, you know, he's one of the good guys. You know what I mean? Yep. But um, but recently he did had this drama with Jay Lee. Jay Lee is another uh, artist and Jay recently agreed to do a cover for the comic book Cyber Frog. Cyberfrog is the work of who we mentioned recently in our um, recent podcast. In one of our recent <laughs> podcasts, uh, we mentioned that uh, Ethan Van Cyber not only is the creator of Cyberfrog, but he is also an artist who has worked for DC before. He worked on Dawnbreaker, a Dark Knight's Metal one-shot. He's one of the founding members of Comicsgate. If you don't know what Comicsgate is, it's basically a hate group uh, full of a bunch of incels who hate any diversity in comic books. And they'll say like, oh, well, you know, we just hate forced diversity. We hate when it's, you know, SJWs and virtue signaling and all that other shit that fucking alt-right Nazi shitheads like to say. That's not the case. They hate women and, and LGBTQ and anyone who's not white in their comic books. Uh, yeah. You know, they'll brag that they have a couple of, that they have a diverse creator base and a diverse fan base and diverse characters in their books. Um, but, you know, the the whole idea is that a, it's not done well, and B, that that's really the virtue signaling, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so Jay Lee apparently, unbeknownst to him, agreed to do a cover for uh, Van Cyber's Cyber Frog. So Tom King called him out on it and started. You know, a lot of people went after Jay Lee, thinking that he was a part of Comics Gate, and uh, and you know, eventually it just turned out that he didn't know. And Tom King up. So he wasn't aware of Comicsgate or that. Apparently Vince... he wasn't. That or... seems really, really hard to believe. It does seem hard <laughs> to believe now that I'm saying it out loud. But uh, you know, apparently not. He has a chance to work with a good artist. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, but you know, Tom King did eventually apologize to him, and uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it's ended well. Jay Lee's dog recently died. And mm. while he had to go through the death of his dog, he was also going through a bunch of people attacking him on Twitter uh, because Tom King, uh, probably unwittingly, but maybe, you know, he set the dogs on him, uh, for lack of a better term. So um, so that happened. You know, Jay made a public post saying like, oh, you know, I'm pretty far from all. Like, I'm pretty fucking far from all right. <laughs> that was what he said. <laughs> uh, my dog just died. Um 
Yeah, and then also a bunch of comics gators brought up that Tom King also started beef with Dean Cain, who was formerly Superman on the Lois and Clark TV show. Uh, so that's where they said Tom King hates Asians. Uh, I did look into it more. I realized that everybody who was tweeting this was a member of Comicsgate. Of course. And um, yeah, so they were all, or Comicsgate supporters. I, either way, fuck. If you support Nazis, you're a fucking Nazi. Fuck I mean, I think Tom King probably Good. shouldn't have said shit, you know, because, you know, whatever. Yeah, that wasn't the, guy, the best way to handle it. Reach out yeah. to the guy privately. Why do you have to fucking do that? Yeah, don't, don't call him out in public. But, uh, you know, it, it's so important in this day and age to know who you're, acquaintances with who you're working with you know how how you position yourself so lee probably also should have been aware of that but uh you know i find it hard to believe he doesn't know about comics gate i don't think he probably agrees with it he probably just figured it was a job right so he took it but uh yikes that's a that's a weird position for both of them yeah i also do have the tweet about dean kane where uh, he's on Fox News saying that nowadays he probably wouldn't be allowed to say truth, justice in the American way. Yeah, Dean Cain's a piece of shit, so. Yeah, I didn't realize until that one thing. I didn't realize until that interview, you know, he was America's sweetheart in my head, and then he fucking said that, and then he was like, oh, all these people don't like cops, but, uh, you know, but but when you get in trouble, who are you going to call? Who's going to show up? A cop. You know, which, yeah, three hours fucking later. I call the Ghostbusters personally, but. More likely to show up on time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they have a better track record overall. They they really do. Should we do a story about Ghostbusters accidentally killing a civilian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like my someone God. Someone dressed as a ghost. You're supposed to they're stop they're... the ghost, not create them. God. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. <laughs> and they're like, Venkman, you have uh, technology that allows you to speak with the, with the undead. Could you please call in your victim for the witness stand? <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> Holy shit. Stay tuned, folks. It's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so while he definitely lacked uh, some some class and tact, I don't think that Tom King hates Asians, and um, that's why we're still reviewing his work on this on this uh, podcast. He seems to be a pretty good guy. So Tom King, he, as we mentioned earlier, uh, did a Batman run that Ty was not a huge fan of. Uh, but <laughs> no. you weren't you weren't in the minority there. I still haven't finished it. Uh, I'd started it. There and you I was go. Like, oh, that's <laughs> that's something. Uh, he also did some work on uh, the Vision, which is a Marvel Comics character, and it really was an amazing story. So, so we we go into Mister Miracle. Do you have a plot for us, Ty? Mister Miracle, no prison can hold him. No trap can contain him. He is scot-free, the worldwide celebrity sensation known as Mr. Miracle, and he is the greatest escape artist who has ever lived. But can he pull off the ultimate trick and escape death itself? So like I said earlier, I thought that this was a funny comic book, like something more in the vein of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. So, you know, I... Uh, I I think this was actually while the blackout uh, was happening here. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get high as fuck and I'm going to read a funny comic book. So, uh, so I open it up and it goes through the basic story and it's like, you know, Mr. Miracle. So for the uninitiated, the old gods are dead. Okay. All the gods you've ever known. Jack Kirby, after leaving Marvel and going to DC for a stint, 
he created the new gods. So instead of uh, hell and heaven, you had apocalypse and new genesis. Instead of the devil and God, you have dark side and high father. They're at war for a while. They decide to exchange biological sons so that way uh, they can broker a truce between their worlds and stop the killing. So you have Darkseid raising Scott Free, who is the son of High Father, and then you have High Father raising Orion, who is the son of Darkseid. And they're both raised in very different ways. Orion is raised to become like this true leader who is is uh, prophesized to one day destroy Darkseid and save the blah, blah, blah. And then you have Scott Free, who is tortured and bred to be a warrior every single day of his life by Granny Goodness. She's uh, like the big top enforcer. She's like the right-hand person to Darkseid. And uh, every time Scott tries to escape, she brings him back with her furies. Big Barda is one of which. Every time Scott gets brought back, he becomes better at escaping. So they make a better trap. He escapes it. And that's how he becomes so good at it. So that's his whole thing. And then he escapes to Earth with Big Barda, who is one of the furies, also under the control and uh, and, and trauma, torture of granny goodness. And that's that's basically the origin story. And then we we go to the actual first issue. It opens up. With Scott fucking bleeding out on his bathroom floor after slitting his own wrists, and I was not prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty shocking. <laughs> That's a uh, I do want to point out a comic book. I do want to point out Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is incredible. Um, I know you said that it was a funny comic. It also had some very real moments. So not to turn people off from reading that, but uh, yeah, Mister Miracle. Um, definitely, wow, like what a shocking way to start your comic. You give the origin story, and then boom, your main character is committing suicide. Uh, and then you kind of go into, you know, his recovery. And uh, Big Barda obviously being distraught, and, um, you know, as he's healing in the hospital. And it, it's uh, it's pretty traumatic. Yeah, and it really is amazing to see Barda, because she is, like, one of the strongest women in the universe. Uh, she and to see her broken down by the man she loves uh trying to take his own life that was something that that was it was really powerful to see because you know she is so tough and she's like what like 6 between 6 and 7 feet tall she's a you know she's a large strong woman and you know she's breaking down because this guy tried to take his own life and she you know didn't even see it coming i don't think anybody did yeah it was it was a shock for everyone because doesn't uh well, they portray Orion showing up, right? And and he's obviously very angry with Scott's decision. And he's, once Scott's, you know, healed enough to go home, Orion starts beating on him, right? Because he doesn't know how to deal with, with, the, uh, with the trauma of it. You know, everyone's dealing with it in different ways because, you know, how do you deal with someone you love trying to kill themselves? And uh, when you don't even know why. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine. Um you know, and th- th- there is this, it's a re- recurring theme in this too, the theme of standing. Like Orion beats the shit out of, you know, punches him in the face and goes, stand. And Scott gets back up and he punches him in the face again down. He goes, stand. And he's like, all right, standing. And he just keeps standing up to keep getting knocked down. We'll talk about that a little bit, a, a little bit later on. Um, But I, d- I don't think I've, uh, I've told a lot of people about this. I only told uh, D recently, but th- this this struck a chord because it was probably about a month, month and a half ago. I had my first uh, suicidal thought. Wow. Yeah, and I never had one before, so I was very thrown off by it. Uh, and it wasn't anything like, oh, you know what I want to do today? Kill myself. But it was more the, um, you know, I woke up and I was just like, huh, 
Like, I wonder if this world would be any worse without me. Like, that was kind of it. This whole idea of, like, all right, are things ever going to get any better? Or, like, have I lived the best days of my life? Is it worth sticking around? That was all. No actual violent thoughts, no thoughts about taking, but just the thought of, like, what if my essence weren't here? And it really freaked me out because I hadn't had that thought since. Yeah. So, so... I don't know where Mr. Miracle's been my whole life. He's been in a couple Justice League episodes here and there. I've seen him in a couple of ensemble comic books here and there. But I've never really seen this version of him. And partially that's because of Tom King. And also you you have to credit uh, artist Mitch Gerard, who we'll talk about a little more at length later. But it's kind of in his character. I got interested after this. And I went and got a couple of comic books uh, from the aforementioned LCS again. Support local businesses, please. And I went and got a couple of uh, like late 80s, early 90s issues of Mr. Miracle, and they actually held up a bit too. The dialogue was a little, yeah, the dialogue was a little off, but like one of the issues is High Father coming to visit Scott and Barda on Earth and just like live a day with them. And it's kind of like a funny thing because he just doesn't know what it's like to be a human. It's the real fish out of water story. But also it's weird because Scott while that guy is his biological father, he doesn't really relate to him or know much about him. He still calls him sir and talks to him respectfully. So it is interesting to see this superhero who he's born of gods. He is a god. While he looks like a man, he still has all the super strength and the invulnerability and everything else that the that the gods share. But to see someone so powerful still be so vulnerable, you know, it has to be done well, and I do love when it is done well in comics. Mr. Miracle is not your common, well-known superhero. He's not Batman. He's not Spider-Man or you know any of those people that I think is like a household name. Um, I wasn't super familiar with him, and I'm a pretty big comic guy. Uh, I knew of him, but like I wasn't really into his character much. I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about his story other than the basics of the trade with Darkseid and and High Father. Um, but, you know, so basically Tom King, and this article will be in the show notes, uh, he, you know, he did an interview where he said that he wanted to partner up with uh, Mitch Gerards. Again, he had worked with him on um, a, a comic that previously uh, called The Sheriff of Babylon. And they were oh, originally... Yeah, they were originally going to work on the, the War of Jokes and Riddles, uh, the Batman story that, that Tom King did. But DC decided they wanted to put that in their main Batman continuity. Uh, and so the, the artist on, on Batman got to do that. Um, so they said to Tom, listen, pick another story. You can write anything you want and, uh, you know, you can have Gerard's with you. So he wanted to do something similar to his vision story for Marvel. Um, so he chose Mr. Miracle, you know, a character that doesn't get get a lot of a lot of press, a lot of a lot of stories written about him on his own. Um, so, you know, he doesn't even have his own Funko Pop figure, Ty. That is heartbreaking. Yeah, because I looked. That's more heartbreaking than this comic. Wow. It really is. So, yeah, he doesn't get the, the lip service he deserves. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tom King, you know, he wanted to do something with, with a character that I think he could have a little flexibility with. Uh, and, and in 2016, Tom King had a, had a panic attack. He thought it was a heart attack. And uh, with the political landscape and, and just so much going on in the world, he was really overwhelmed. He had never dealt with this kind of anxiety before. Um, and he literally thought he was going to die. It's in, it's in the beginning of the book. Um, it's in the interview that will be in the show notes. So he wanted to portray, you know, 
those feelings somehow. So he chose Mr. Miracle. And uh, obviously having Mr. Miracle attempt suicide uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a big moment. But it's something that I think... Uh, whether you're a superhero or a normal person like you and me, you know, it happens. It happens in the real world. It's something that we can relate to. You you may not know directly someone's committed suicide, but I'm sure you know someone who has someone in their life that has attempted or has done it. You know, you've heard people who've hurt themselves. Um, you know, it's, it's a very common common thing that people deal with. Uh, and that, you know, and that it's different forms, whether it's anxiety or, or you know, uh, whatever it might be, it, you know, there's a lot out there, and it's really it's a really tough world. And uh, Mr. Miracle may be a, a superhero character, but even he has to deal with those things. And we've also seen Tom King cover it in Heroes in Crisis, uh, which is another series. I haven't read it yet, but now I really want to. But a lot of the series is about dealing with these uh, heroes who go through extraordinary otherworldly events, and now it's them confronting their own trauma, uh, which a lot of people didn't like. Uh, I think I was part of the that comic book group on Facebook at the time, so a lot of it was, oh, I just want the escapism, blah blah blah. But um, that's not really why I like comics. I don't, I don't necessarily go to it for the escapism. Uh, this may sound kind of blasphemous to those of you who are faithful out there, but um, if I had anything close to a religion, it would be comic books. I, I am an atheist. I don't subscribe to any of the major, uh, you know, the major religions, but. Comic books is really it for me. You have these fictional characters who are doing otherworldly uh, feats and uh, they have superhuman abilities and everything. And I try to learn from some of their lessons when I can. And so to see someone so powerful still suffering with that stuff, it, it really uh, it, it really did strike me. And Definitely. We, you know, and if we could talk about the relationship between Barda and Scott for a little bit, this um it's it's rough because Barda also went through the same childhood that Scott went through. So you'd think that the two of the two people being there, being able to connect over their trauma and having somebody in the world who really understands you, that that would be the that that's that's what keeps you there. That's what keeps you alive, that's what keeps you invested in this life. And I think that's how Barda looks at it, but Scott not necessarily. You know, she was upset, you know, and she doesn't bring it up. They really explore this. Well, uh, they really explore this in a in a way that that it would happen in real life. You can't bring up traumatic things the next day after they happen. You can't talk about something bad every single day since it happens. They don't actually go over his his uh, suicide attempt until much later in the book when she finally lets him know how she felt about it. Yeah, I, I mean, they, you know, they come from very similar backgrounds, but in a way, very different. You know, uh, she she's from Apocalypse, right? She she's from, you know, she's a Fury. Um, whereas Scott was, he was given to Darkseid as a peace offering. You know, his family gave him up willingly, and that's something that he has to live with. You know, that, that High Father was willing to part with him, and yeah, maybe it was for the greater good to save so many lives. Um, and, and we see in the story, he gets faced with a similar situation. We'll talk about it a little bit more later. Uh, you know, and it's, it's how, how do you, how do you sleep at night knowing that you gave your son to someone who's going to abuse him and, uh, you know, just totally destroy his life while you raise that person's son as your own. So 
I can't imagine what that that feeling must be like, but you know, we we've talked in other episodes. We have some father issues, so I definitely get you know uh, having some resentment towards your father and and not understanding you know uh, certain actions that that he took and not being able to really connect with him on that level. So you know that's something in the back of Scott's mind too. And um, I, this comic kind of reminded me of Inception a lot. Uh, the way um, oh I can see it actually yeah, yeah like Leonardo DiCaprio's wife was stuck with that that idea of you know having to kill herself to kind of get out of the world she was in and it's kind of like what I feel like this comic was all about you know it's like what's real what's not how do we escape this cycle um, and you know in the beginning Mr. Miracle chooses to to try to you know uh, kill himself and to escape it you know it's the one thing that that he can't escape and and he really tries to. And Tom King mentioned in this uh, in this interview that he had for Sci-Fi Wire, also will be included in the show notes on uh, politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, but he he mentions that if when you have PTSD, and we should mention that that Tom is speaking from a personal place here. He was formerly, I believe, a CIA operative. Uh, yeah. Am I correct in that? Yep. Yeah. So so he you know he has served and. Yeah, I'm he not, served in he, Iraq and Afghanistan, so he is. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not here to speak on um, what what he did while in service. You know, I'm here to uh, you know speak on just uh, him getting back. But clearly, whatever he has done, you know, has stuck with him. Whatever he's experienced has stuck with him. And yeah. you know, we well, he wrote the Sheriff of Babylon, which is about the war. So obviously, you know, he's been impacted by these things. Um, but Mr. Miracle is a much more personal, you know, uh, about anxiety and the things he was dealing with later later on once he came home. Now, Scott is a, a member of different worlds, and I think that his identity is a huge part of his of his story arc here. Or perhaps I'm just imprinting on it myself because, it, you know, it is for me as well. I mean, you, you know me very well that um, when I really think back to it, Pretty much my entire life, I've been moving. I I wasn't even two years old the first time that my mom picked me up from Texas and moved to New York, and then you know a few years later we moved we moved to Long Island, and then since then I've you know I moved to to one town, and then my father got custody of me and we moved to a different town. But in the meantime, I was sent to live with a different family because uh, he didn't have a place that he could keep me at at the moment. So I lived with that family for two weeks, and like you know my entire life really up until recently when I've been an adult and I've been able to control it once again didn't know where Mr. Miracle was my entire life I don't know how I would relate to a character so much but he does have that identity crisis here that he you know he wants to leave his family behind and by his family I mean Apocalypse and New Genesis he wants to leave that whole feud behind and just live the the suburbia dream right like he wants to be a performer he wants to he wants to take a skill that oh shit okay fuck yep so he wants to take a skill that he's learned for survival and then use it to entertain people not too different from having to act like a different person in every single house and charm people and then deciding to become a fucking actor. Slash comedian. Slash right. comedian. <laughs> slash what? Yeah. Slash podcast host. Slash voice actor. Slash artist. Slash um, a professional wrestler I wanted to be at one point. Yeah. Like, holy shit. So <laughs> <laughs> stay with me, Ty. There's going to be a miracle. lot of realizations. I th- Mikey Miracle. <laughs> 
Um, but you know what? That being said, actually, you know, Anne would always have an interesting saying for me, and she would say, "You were born under a very unlucky star." But right next to it was a very lucky star, a very lucky bright star, you know, because in all of this, it brought certain people into my life, you know, like you and 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 all the people who did uh, come together to help me and in, in my adolescence and brought you and your family and everything. And, you know, while they were also great to me, like, I still wonder, you know, like. Where's my home? You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Like it it it. it you know, and it's, it's something that nobody else can really give to you at a certain point. It's something you have to find for yourself. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> what else? Where are we going? I didn't, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> and I, I think Big Barda feels like she's given him that home. You know, they, they feel like they finally have that. But I guess while that might be the case, it's still not enough, right? You know, he, he still feels inclined to to try and kill himself, uh, to escape life, right? Like he's trying to escape life because I guess the, I don't know if it's the mundaneness of it or he's just, he's tired of performing for people. He's tired of, of, of just living this life that, you know, he's kind of been beaten and dragged through because it's, it's been nothing but torture for a lot of it. You know, like when we say he was on apocalypse, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, you had to work hard and you could never escape. Like they literally tortured them, right? There was like pits of yeah. despair and it was like hell. It was basically yeah. like hell. It Yeah, it is. It's because, you know, they're the new gods. It's like a new, a whole new mythos and religion. Uh, but yeah, there were lakes of flame and lava and stuff, like really terrible shit. Uh, it, we do find out a little bit later that one of his one of his old business partners who was, uh, you know, the assistant to the former Mr. Miracle before Scott took the, took the, the mantle, uh, Oberon, he actually died recently too. Now we don't really care much about Oberon in this comic, but I did, he's at him and funky Flashman are huge parts of the old comic books, believe it or not. I believe it about Oberon because it, even though he's not in it a lot, he, I mean, he is mentioned by Mr. Miracle very fondly. I mean, he kept all his cigar boxes because because Oberon loved them, right? Like they were something special to him. Yeah, and Barda is nervous about Scott being alone, so she comes to check on him, and she's like, hey, just wanted to see that you're doing all right on your own here. And he's like, I'm not on my own. Oberon's right in the room with me. And she's like, Scott, Oberon died of, what was it, cancer, right? Some yeah, sort of throat, cancer. Con- throat cancer. He's, she's like, Oberon died of throat cancer, what, last week or a couple weeks ago? Uh, like, it was like a month, yeah, like it's less than a month. Approximately four weeks ago, maybe three, three to four weeks ago, Scott. Um, but yeah, so 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 that you know, so that plays into it. Now, I want to take this moment to talk about how Tom King injects his, probably his own experiences in the service into Mister Miracle at this point too, because it's not long before High Father is killed. That's another complicated thing to worry about. Uh, your parent, not parent, was just murdered, and now your brother, not brother is taking, you know, taking over as the new high father and Scott and Barda are dragged into another war between New Genesis and Apocalypse. Yeah, they are and drafted is- into that war. Yes. Thin line, dragged and drafted. But yeah, the, <laughs> the other and it's a war they want no part of. You know, the, the, these are these are beings with an extraordinary background, but they actually I think they find solace in the mundane that they want to just live at home and be a couple and live their lives. And yet they're being brought into all this intergalactic bullshit they tried to leave behind. And, you know, that 
I don't know how you feel about your family, but I know for a fact that's how it is with mine and a lot of other people. You just try and leave your shit behind, but no matter what, you still get dragged back. And I think you kind of become this person you don't want to remember anymore. There's something about your family that just brings out, in some cases, the best in you, but in other cases, the worst in you because they remember you at your most vulnerable moments. So we do see that, you know, Barda and Scott are are brought back into this and and we see this side of Scott that we normally wouldn't equate with a showman that he is murdering parademons with you know he's got guns and sniper rifles and swords and he's like all about like you know he you see him screaming for new genesis for new genesis and he looks like a like a like a madman just slaughtering people leading he's armies covered like, in blood right yeah. like and no. I, can I take this? Can we take this moment to appreciate Mitch Gerard's art? Because holy crap! Yeah, it's amazing. He's really, really talented. This, oh, and, and whoever did the color, I, I didn't look. At, you know, the coloring's amazing. I mean, it's just everything pops that needs to pop. You know, it, when it, when they're fighting in the war, everything's kind of dark, and it, it, oh, it's just it's beautiful. And I love that constant in his ear. You know, it's like I need you here. I need you there. You know, the forces are moving on this area. I need you over <laughs> yeah. there. Like, it just like the orders keep being barked. And he's like, yes, yes, high father. Okay, 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 okay. You know, like, to the next battle and to the next battle. And you can tell he's tired. He doesn't, he's he's, not he doesn't really care. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. But meanwhile, when he is leading them, he, you know, he he's putting on that war face and having that intensity because he knows he has a part to play. Meanwhile, he's just like, oh, I just want to fucking be home at this point. Like... Um, and, and how many times do they say your brother? And he's like, he's not my brother, right? About Orion, he's like, yep, he's not my brother. And I get that, you know, like uh, from a stepfather point of view, you know, it's like, oh, your dad, he's not my dad, you know. It's like, well, he, yeah. he is, but he's even, not, you know. Yeah, even my father, I stopped calling him dad, and you know, I'm like, oh, my father. But then also, it's it does become tough to talk about certain people in your life because you may not have a one word label to affix to them. Like, you know, oh, my fiance or my brother, my sister, my wife, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I because I know how do I describe Anne, right? How do yeah. I, you know, how do I describe your mom? Like, oh, my, my best friend's mom, my brother's mom. Like, you know, she took me in, so she's more than just his mom. Like, you know, it's it's tough to tough to do that. But for, you know, these people are telling Scott who Orion is to him, who these people are to him. Oh man, it, it it does it does get to be exhausting. And once again, to see a guy who can just slaughter parademons, you know, without a second thought, and 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 do his job on the battlefield, to see him actually struggle with, hey, it's not my brother, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we don't we don't see a lot of him uh, trying to be aggressive either, which is an interesting take to have on these heroes. Is that he, you know, when everyone else is resorting to violence, he doesn't. And that's because I think that he grew up in violence, that violence really defined him. And he doesn't, you know, he knows what it's about and he doesn't want to complete, he doesn't want to continue that cycle. Definitely. (laughs) Now, I have a question for you, speaking of the art uh, that we mentioned from Mitch Gerard's. So I took pictures of individual panels that I really loved. And a lot of them you could tell, at least from an artist's perspective, that they were done with with realistic photo evidence. Because he has this way of catching these characters in mid-motion that, like, your brain almost completes the rest of the motion they're making. You know, if they're, like, mid-run or jumping from one crowd to another crowd, like, you see the whole thing playing out in your mind. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think of that. Oh yeah, like the one um the one shot when he's jumping from the crowd and like letting loose with a Superman punch. 
Uh, the And then the shot where he finds Orion's dead body just after he enters the hall. And, like, you see him in mid-run and he's like, oh, like... Like kind of like he's stumbling. It, it, it's it's great. Now I took pictures of certain panels that I really loved, and I sent them to you. How how was it for you to actually see the panels in, um, you know, in in context with the rest of the book? So to be honest, I'd forgotten the ones you had sent me. So after I finished reading and I went back and looked um, at the ones you had sent me, but yeah, I mean they were great. They're great moments. I you know one thing I thought that was really cool the way the way they do some uh, some of the pages are they'll be the same panel it'll be the same image over and over maybe with like a slight change to facial feature but it'll it'll be you know i don't know uh eight panels or nine panels of the same image whether it's you know uh mr miracle's face and with dialogue over it uh and and like i i don't know something about it just the like it's like he like stuck in that same cycle, you know, like that he's stuck in where the same thing's happening. Like uh, when Orion puts him on trial and he's asking those true or false questions and it's just them going back and forth. And it's almost the same image over and over for a couple pages. Um, but it draws you in still. You, you don't get bored of it. I feel like uh, there's other comics in the past that have done something similar, like uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Right. There was a ton of panels, especially like oh, yeah, of newscasters heads, and stuff. Right. Yeah. And. To me, while it's a great comic, the, the something about the art just never drew me in. Whereas here, it does. You know, it, it's almost like it's like painted on, um, and and the the way you can see the slight shift in in the facial features, it, it just really really grabbed me. I also really appreciate how every page is nine panels too. Yeah, it's all yep. the same size panel nine times, and yet it still seems like they switch it up so much, even though they really, they don't at all. The layout is the exact same. The only different panel, uh, I believe, is the double splash page in the first issue where Scott's bleeding out. Everything yeah. else, you know, I, I might be wrong because I, you know, I didn't read it as recently. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure every panel is is like that. And so you kind of get into the cadence of it, and I, I think. I think that's why it pulls you in now that you mention it. And you know, you kind of know what to expect next and you just follow it. You, you don't have to do a lot of work. You really get drawn into the story and to what I believe is like kind of more of a cinematic feel. Very cinematic. And, and they even do it with, um, with, with panels that don't need to be like that. Like there's a couple of uh, pages where dark side sitting down and, you know, it, it's clearly one image, but they, they split it into three. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. like his arms on either side and like just to show like how in, impending he is you know he, he covers three panels just sitting there uh you know how, how strong and powerful he looks so it's de- it definitely looks cinematic absolutely yeah there's obviously some big twists by the way so uh as always spoiler warning but if you're listening you should, should have probably read this already yeah we're about an hour in um yeah then again we didn't really talk about mr Miracle we haven't we haven't really it. spoiled much yeah, so so definitely spoilers. As I mentioned, Orion dies. Uh, th- you know, this is shortly after he has that whole like faux trial with Scott, where he puts Scott on trial as being a possible enemy uh, of New Genesis, a- an undercover agent for Darkseid. And in this moment, and I really like how it was brought up uh, in this one article on Medium.com. I want to just read an excerpt real quick where uh, this guy is describing what what's happening. Um, The series shows Scott's growth from his lowest moment, picking up the pieces and trying to move forward. He's continually contacted by other characters from his home world that are trying to bring him back, and he keeps having to fight to grow and not be brought back into the hardship. We've covered that. 
Um, he tries to hold it together and go forward, but family and old rivals challenge his mental state. In issue four, one of the moments that sticks with me is that Scott is being questioned for a murder and forced to tell the truth. He is made to look back at his life and come to face the pain in it. We see Scott break down, something you don't see all the time in a superhero comic, and he loses it. Another moment that struck me because at the time of reading this, I was working through some of my own identity struggles and battling with my mental health. So yeah, we you know we do have Orion is continually questioning him. You know he's like, oh I see you hate our father, and Scott doesn't know how to answer it, and he's like, you hate our father, true or false? He's like, true, fine. And Orion is really uh, exhibiting some narcissistic behavior here too, because he knows what he wants to get out of Scott, so he pretty much goads him into it. Like he uses quote unquote logic to you know, to bring out the worst in Scott. And he keeps asking these same questions, you know, oh, uh, you know, you hate me, true or false. You hate New Genesis, true or false. You hate Apocalypse, true or false. And then, you know, you hate God, you hate yourself, you hate your life. And he just ends up saying, so you are hate. And a little bit later on, Scott just fucking lets Orion have it, which you didn't think was possible because the way he was letting Orion treat him before, you know, you're like, you know, I didn't, you thought he couldn't take him in a fight. That's the only reason why he took getting hit in the face over and over again. But no. Uh, and he just ah, he punches him in the face and then he just keeps screaming at him until Barda grabs him and holds him as he breaks down. And oh man, what a, what a moment that, that was so powerful to me. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected that. You know, Orion's clearly shocked that uh, that Scott has hit him. You know, uh, so so forcibly, and and you know, it's just yeah, he's he's trying to exert his his influence, his power on him. You know, earlier he 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 makes him bow to him. You know, that's, I don't think that's something yes. High Father ever did. Scott you know, High Father had never bow. done that to Scott, but now you know this is the new rule. Now that Orion's High Father, you know, we are putting this rule into effect. You have to bow, and you know. This is really Scott's position, right? Scott should have been High Father. You know, he he is the legitimate son of High Father, but because he was given the dark side, you know, Orion has kind of taken his place. So, you know, while I don't think he's jealous or, or really wants that, you know, I think he does think about that and he sees the way Orion treats him. And, and you know, it's got to be in the back of his mind to go, you know, I, that that could be me right there. You know, how how dare you treat me like this, like I'm nothing. Um, and, and yeah, he finally breaks down, you know, because I think he's so confused, you know, part of him thinks maybe I'm part of the anti, anti-life equation, you know, maybe dark side has made me an agent. He doesn't, he doesn't know what's real anymore. Um, you know, he's clearly been hallucinating there. There's so much uneasiness in his own mind that he, he can't handle, uh, you know, not only this war, but just, just talking to his brother. It's, it's a, it's a really difficult situation for him. And he never gets the chance to deal with it either. Like before no. him and Barda are ready to go into the boom tube, he's like, I don't think I should be doing this or, you know, something to that effect. And she smacks him to the ground. She hits him and she goes, stand. And he's like, standing. Like, yep. you know, it, it, he doesn't, he's not allowed the time to really deal with the the trauma. So it's just kind of like, all right, suck it down and keep moving. And this uh, you know, I mentioned on the podcast before, you know, my fucking mom died last year and it it, it was a life defining experience um, because like there was a lot that had, that had happened between, 
her side of the family and myself and my father and, you know, having to, you know, like I wanted to live my own life too, but at a certain point I kept getting pulled back and I had to deal with it. And I just remember like after my, oh, I mentioned in the Lord of the Rings episode already when my father was like, oh, you got to be strong. And I'm like, no, like I was strong the entire time she was fucking dying. I don't have to be strong now. And we see Scott's in a similar position where like he has to fight this war. He has no choice but to be strong. And you know, he does end up getting found guilty of being an agent of Darkseid, and he's going to remit his, his, himself to Orion to face to face punishment, which I'm going to assume is an execution. He says execution because he says, I yeah. can't I can't contain you because Mr. Miracle always escapes. You're damn right he fucking can. I have to execute you. So I'll see you, you know, in two days or three days or whatever it is. And this is actually one of my favorite parts of the book where he's having, like, his last day with Barda. Oh, uh, right. so and they're, good. They're stuck in L.A. traffic, and they're they're talking about using a boom tube, and, and Mother Box is like, well, you could, like, destroy the entire planet if you use the boom tube on another <laughs> position in Earth. And she's like, maybe it's worth the traffic, you know? They're just, like, they're going back and forth, having fun. They go to the fair. They're looking at the, you know, the lights. It's, it's, uh, it's a, one of my favorite issues. Trying to win prizes. Issues. Yep. It it is it is really beautiful. I uh, I definitely teared up looking at that because you know it makes you think like if you had one day, you know one one day left, like what what would you do? And it's just you know once again it's it's not him flying around the galaxy with with Barda. It's him just trying to be a regular person with the woman he loves, and he does give her the option, which I think is very interesting because. I think she values Scott's life more than he does. And that's, that's fair, right? You know, like, I think you were like, you would definitely be more willing to die for your partner than to let them die for you. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And so he gives it to her. He's like, listen, if you want me to stay, we'll work something out. Cause he knows that him and Barta can fight their way through if they have to. Um, but if not, then don't. So she's in the bathroom, she comes out and spoilers, we do find out, at least in my opinion, the reason she tells him to stay is because she found out she was pregnant while she was in the bathroom. Well, earlier in the issue, she does say, I can't be your reason. Like, you know, I can't tell you to stay. You have to make that decision. It's your life. She's like, I won't, I won't be the deciding factor. Like, I won't tell you what to do. She does she, say that. She tells him very early on in the issue. And then at the end, she changes her mind. Because like you said, she's pregnant. She doesn't want to do this alone. She wants Scott with her. So she tells him to stay. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, I don't know how Tom King got it so right unless he's experienced this stuff personally. But, you know, it is interesting to to see your life uh, valued from somebody else's point of view. You know what I mean? Um, I think we do we do come down pretty hard on ourselves. We are our own worst critics, or at least we should be to an extent. And to know that there there is somebody else out there who it does make a difference to them whether you're in the world or not that that that's something worth fighting for and you know we see the you know the entire next issue uh, cuz this is after Barda I don't want to undersell her at all the guards from uh New Genesis are there to get Scott is it Light Ray and somebody else I think no I think uh, they fight Light Ray later oh they fight Light Ray later so so um, there are some guards ready to escort Scott to New Genesis, and Barda comes out of the bathroom and fucking beats their heads in with her staff, or which is a club. Oh, wait, at the time. Isn't it the the Funky guy who's always uh? Does she beat up Funky Flashman? I'm pretty sure she does. Oh my god! 
Yeah, rough. she does. I mean, yep. Flashman's kind of a dick in this, but I mean, he he does redeem himself. But the position he has is as Scott's uh, publicity agent. Like he gets him his gigs and handles PR and spin and everything. Yeah, yeah. She beats the hell out of him, and she looks at. She's covered in blood. She's naked. She looks at uh, Scott and goes, "Stay." Uh, that's a beautiful ending, and the whole next issue, which uh, which is fantastic in my opinion, is just uh, them raiding New Genesis. Like they're going through, taking out all the guards and everything, doing all this awesome fighting and tricks and working together. But the whole time they're talking about the most mundane stuff, like how they're going to fix up the living room, and because I think that that's really where they want to be. They want to be home. They want to have their home. And uh, and at the very end of it, you know, Scott's wondering why Barda wants to extend uh, one of the walls to make another room. And she says, I'm pregnant. Yeah, it's such a great reveal. Like he doesn't like they're talking about, you know, let's change this. So let's move this around. And he's he's kind of opposed to it. He's like, well, why do we want to do that? You know, like, why do we want to get rid of stuff? And she's like, I got stuff because I never had any growing up. And that really got me, you know. Like when you're when you're Tell poor as it. a kid, right? And like you know, you you want to buy yourself things when you have money, you know. And that's why I I had purchased a, a lot of items later on when I had my my first couple of jobs. I would like buy all these kinds of movies and comic books. So I just wanted to own it, you know, to buy it myself so that no one could take it away from me. And uh, you know, I think that's kind of where Barter, you know probably did and, and and Scott too. And Scott's like, well, we, you know, just because we don't need it doesn't mean you don't want it. You know, why do you want to get rid of so much? Why do you want to move so much stuff? And they're, they're just fighting their way through. And finally, you know, she does say that she's pregnant. And, and it makes sense now. Okay, we need to we need to think about how we're going to, you know, get this child in here where we're going to put them. Um, and this all leads to to him confronting Orion, right? And he's they're like... not planning on killing. No, he's like, she's like, talk to him. She's like, he's your brother. Talk to him. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go in there and talk to him. So he walks into the room ready to, you know, have a heart-to-heart with his brother uh, and he finds him dead. Turns out Darkseid has assassinated his biological son, former high father of New Genesis, Orion, and unfortunately, it now falls to Scott to be the high father of New Genesis and lead this war. Which is interesting. It's like, why doesn't Darkseid just kill Scott right there? That is a good question. Because he mean, could, might... right? I feel like at any time he could theoretically just kill him but he doesn't and i guess it's that idea that maybe like scott is a little bit more a son of apocalypse than he wants to admit you know like he does have like these heart-to-heart moments with granny goodness with dark side with with all the people of of apocalypse and he's kind of you know there is a you know a familiarness there that he he does you know he he just has because he grew up there that was his home and they know him and i think this war they want it to go on in a way, you know? I think that it gives them a purpose to, to wage war against each other. I'll give you my theory when we get to Darkseid's uh, conditions of peace. All right, I'll give you my sword. That'll be, And my axe. That'll be my theory as to why he doesn't kill Scott right then and there. Because he is Darkseid, one of the baddest motherfuckers in the galaxy. Yeah. He could do it. So we have... Uh, we have another issue in which it this whole issue is actually just Barda giving birth, which yeah. is awesome. It's, it's such great. a great, great issue. They bring in the Furies that Barda used to work with. They're like her like, sisters, you know? I feel like they're, yeah. you know. They are, and they're sitting in the middle of a civilian hospital, like in California. It's just, 
It's just them, you know, with a bunch of humans around, and they're all in their full, you know, fury uniforms and everything, and, you know, almost getting into fights with each other and stuff, and, um, and... It, it, it is just great. Also, because Mitch doesn't shy away from the fact that this is kind of an ugly process. Like Barda, you know, she she's, you know, showing all of her triple chins and her sweat and her saliva and her tears as she's yelling and pushing this baby out. And I really I really think that, it, it you know, it was an awesome moment because, you know, this is one of the greatest warriors ever. And and we just see her doing something that once again, like we would consider to be just oh, well, that's just what people do. Yep. Yeah, this is this is an, another another leg of their journey. Uh, we do see that Scott's trying to to keep some sense of normalcy. He goes out to visit the Furies, who he's in the middle of a war with, like they're fighting for the side of Apocalypse, but they still wanted to come and and see and see Barda. And you know, I think what do they say exactly that they couldn't have children or or something along those lines? I think they just wanted to support her. I mean, I thought that's, they were just there to support her. They were like, uh, she's the first, this is going to be the first child born of the new gods. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like a huge moment. So yeah, one of them says that there hasn't been a kid born to a fury since, and then she doesn't finish the sentence. You know, it makes you wonder, like, are furies allowed to have children? Are furies, um, made barren at the beginning of their lives or do their children end up getting taken away and made into God knows what by apocalypse and granny goodness. So, um, but yeah, it is interesting just to see that there are these people who once again, like you'd think their whole life is about war and fighting, but they still come to support one of their, one of their sisters, one of their sisters in arms. You know, it kind of, I don't know, it makes you think about family, right? How like, you may be able to achieve stuff that they're not, and it's something that they look upon. Like me, and th- sometimes with jealousy, you know. In this case, I don't think it is jealousy. I think no. it is true, uh, true reverence and appreciation for the state that Bard is in. Uh, we also see that one of the Furies gives Scott a knife that it, it was originally made from Darkseid's DNA to kill Darkseid. Yeah, the Farron knife. Yeah, and she gives it to him and says. Use this uh, to cut her open if it's a C-section, uh, and then one day I will use it to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and Barda's like, that knife doesn't cut. It makes you burn from the inside. She's like, she's trying to kill me. And he's like, I think she was sincere. Yeah, and uh, and we do see that when the baby's born, it has the umbilical cord wrapped around its neck, and they can't get it off. They can't cut through it because it's a god baby, and... This beautiful moment, Scott uses that knife that's made to kill gods, and he used it to save his baby's life, Jacob's life, and he cuts the umbilical cord. And uh, and it was really great. I, I cried reading that one. Yeah, it was, it was very good. He, he gives the knife back. He's like, oh, thanks, it helped, you know? <laughs> and she's like, great, I'm glad. I'm, I'm still going to use it to kill you when the war starts again. Oh, he's like, man. okay, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And as we move forward in this war, we also see uh, that... Scott and Barda are now taking turns raising this child. You know, each of them has their own day or days while the other person is taking their place on New Genesis to continue leading and fighting this war. 
Yeah, I, that was I love that too. Like uh, you know, he'll be in the middle of a battle or in the middle of commanding his troops, and you know, Barda will call him, and they'll be like, "Oh, you know, there's a doctor's appointment, and you're supposed to be here, you know, fighting this battle." And he's like, "All right, I guess I'll do the battle. You know, you do the doctor's appointment." And it's like, how do you how do you raise a family while also fighting a war between gods? It's it's uh, obviously very difficult and also kind of funny. Yeah, it's powerful. It's a little hilarious too, because yeah, there, Barda challenged one of uh, Darkseid's minions to a one-on-one fight to see whose squad is going to move out of the area. Scott takes on this dude and gets his ass handed to him because <laughs> Barda's clearly the better fighter. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, "All right, we're moving out." Like, and she's like, "How'd it go?" He's like, "We're moving our forces out." She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, babe." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah it's fine." It's I think fine. he's like, I, "I almost had him," you know. And she's like, "I'm sure you did," you know. She's, <laughs> she's just supporting him. You know, and we and this is a moment where we also get to see Scott uh, on one of the panels. We see that his leg is being repaired from the inside out from a wound that he had sustained. I don't think during yeah. that fight in particular, but now we see that it is possible for these gods to be wounded, and that just because they may look good on the outside doesn't mean that they still can't take. Uh, damage or abuse or anything and i want to take that moment to just flash back real quick to their interaction with granny goodness granny goodness is the woman who trains the furies she raised scott and she uh was one of the leaders of the uh, apocalypse new genesis war on the side of apocalypse and by that time i meant the planet okay not not a a dark side and um and in, in meeting her to talk uh, to talk peace, it's a very interesting moment. This happened back when Orion was still alive, I believe, too. Yes, yeah, he asked them to to assassinate her. Yeah, and um, and Barda is very nervous about meeting Granny because she never got anything good from Granny Goodness. That's kind of the point of her name. Is is uh, you know, it's a uh, ironic. Yep. And you know, but meanwhile, Scott, he was actually treated a little bit better than Barda. Not like, not even better, but she just had moments with him where like he might've been set to be tortured for a week straight and she let him out on day six or day five, like stuff like that, that Scott really kept. And because that was the only quote unquote love he had to hold on to the only kindness he had to hold on to. He just began to think that, all right, well, you know, that's the norm and she loves me in her own way. And how how relatable is that, right? With a family member who is so toxic and damaging, but you know you you still excuse it because you're like, oh, it's my aunt or my dad or my cousin or my sibling or whatever it is. You know, they love me. Like they just have a weird way of showing it. And you know, it. I think a lot of people can can definitely relate to that. Yeah, and it gets a little more twisted when Barda murders Granny Goodness, and yeah, because Scott can't, right? He can't bring himself to yeah. do it. And Scott kind of like, that's a weird thing. Like the woman you love just murdered the woman who raised you. Even though the woman who raised you was a monster, how do you respond to that? You know, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's you heavy. Know, it's, it's, it is. It is. It's a tough spot. And we see later that uh, during uh, negotiations, Granny has a mirror that shows who you really are. And they give that mirror to Scott. And we see this this really powerful moment in which Scott undresses in front of the mirror and you see that he's been scarred and burnt and he doesn't have any hair and, and like his whole, he's been flayed. He, you see that despite all the modern medicine miracles that have helped him look like an average person, that those scars are still there and they still run deep. And it's, it's a literal, uh, you know, interpretation of what trauma really is. And then Barda 
walks next to him and you see that she looks the same way and they both hold each other and that was that was just an incredible moment yeah it was great they do end up doing some sort of uh some sort of negotiations to try and end the war and here's where my theory comes in about why Darkseid didn't want to kill Scott right then and there. Okay. So we see that Darkseid, he says that I will end the war. I will give up my access to the anti-life equation. I will allow you to send in your own inspectors into Apocalypse to make sure everything's on the up and up. And all I ask in return is for your only child. Now, we've seen back and forth, they've been doing regular things with this child, you know, putting them through tummy time, playing games with them, laying on the couch with them, you know. Like, that's really where Scott wants to be. He doesn't want to be uh, in New Genesis. We also find that this is kind of, you know, Scott has now found a reason not to die. At one point, he gets run through with a sword. One of my favorite moments of the whole story. He gets run through with a sword, and he's bleeding out. He's walking. He just slumps over and falls. And then Motherbox starts talking to him. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically like his smartphone, but it's apocalyptic technology. And he starts hearing his wife tell him about how their baby said Dada for the first time. And yeah. it's just him laying down while, this, while you hear the kid saying Dada. And then Scott starts getting up and singing the song that he sings to his kid, the hush little baby, don't say it. And he's saying it nice and slow as he finds a reason to get up and keep going. And I thought that that was- stand up, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, So I think that the reason why Darkseid kept Scott alive was for this moment. Not necessarily that he knew Scott was going to have a kid, but because narcissistic people, evil people, they don't, want to do the bad thing if this makes sense they want control hmm. you know it's not if you know if, if a guy punches you in the face in, a, in an abusive relationship i think it's less about the violent act of punching you in the face and more about the control that you'll do what he asks next time so you don't get hurt and in you know in this case scott now has an opportunity to do something selfless end the war and you know and make sure that millions of people will survive but he knows that his son will suffer just as bad if not worse than how he suffered growing up yeah and he actually considers it yeah barda doesn't he does yeah and that's how fucked up it is like you know he is ju- he is a broken person and you can't i don't think you can blame him for considering the option because hell you know he he turned out okay, quote unquote. Like maybe the same thing will happen with his. He kid. escaped, right? He got away, so maybe yeah. maybe this kid could too. Yeah, and um, I don't think we sold Barda enough. Yeah, she was honestly my favorite character in the book. I thought she was incredible, so strong, so loving. You know, just a perfect uh, companion for for Scott. You know, I think he really needed her a lot throughout the book. And the way that her vulnerability and strength were both captured by Gerard's was was really great. You know, we do see, like, there are a couple of sex scenes between uh, Scott and Barda that, you know, they're safe for work. They're softcore stuff. But it is awesome to just continue to show multiple dimensions of a character that they can be 
capable of throwing a tank with one hand, but also they do have these tender moments of vulnerability that maybe getting, you know, hit with a laser won't phase them, but what does make them cry is when, you know, their their husband wanted to wanted to leave this world. Even Absolutely. Facing it together. Yeah. Uh, they she really is a great great way to round you know round out scott and also she does a really good job of like not stepping in when it's his turn to to like to negotiate and stuff like she really could i think yes but you know but she she i think is really the one who's willing to leave you know leave this world behind like when she gets home she doesn't talk about it at all yeah she she's able to leave it behind um, and maybe we don't see her struggle. We just see Scott's. You know, there definitely is something she's dealing with there. Uh, but we do see that they end up going through with this whole, we're going to give our baby to Dark Side, and that's it. And, of yeah. course, they bring a veggie tray, which is what they brought from uh, a previous uh, issue. They had a veggie tray during Scott's trial. Yeah, can, can we just talk about all the little, like, human moments that king puts in there the veggie tray you know seeing dark side eat carrots uh seeing orion eat some after he gets punched in the face um big barter forgets her her mother box at one point when they're about the boom tube she's like ah shit i forgot my mother box like when you forget your phone <laughs> in the house right like uh even that that one sex scene where um he's where mr miracle's all tied up on the bed and it's the whole page is just him but they break it up into the different nine panels and he's like i could escape at any time and she's like, oh, can you? You know, because she knows he doesn't want to. And it's like these little, like, I don't know. They, it just humanizes them so much that you, you for a minute, you forget that this is a superhero comic and not just, you know, a family life and people dealing with, with their, their normal everyday stuff. And it's beautiful to see that because when you feel like you have some sort of an in with this hero, at least, you know, I felt afterwards, I'm like, you know what? I can do that too. You know, I might not be able to do all the superhero stuff, but you know, I can I can also take steps to to live the life that I want to live and and hopefully leave this trauma behind. And uh you know, it it is tough to do. I you know, I thought that it was that it would be something I was just, you know, done with. And I I'm not sure how much of it I've spoken about, but yes, raised by a narcissist who was addicted to crack. And also, you know, a mentally ill woman who I think there was also some crack involved there. There's a lot of drugs, <laughs> you of know, crack. and then raised by a, a, a bunch of different people. You know, mom had a couple alcoholic boyfriends here and there. You know, father had uh, at least a couple of alcoholic girlfriends. My martial arts instructor, she said that you will be dealing with this for the rest of your life. And whereas now that I look back on it, she didn't say a lot of stuff that really checks out. That was one of them. That, like, yeah. you will be dealing with this for the rest of your life. Like, no matter how how far you come, no matter how much you accomplish, that is always part of your past. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it always will be. Now, we do see that Scott has a chance to repeat his past here, that he is getting his baby Jacob ready, him and Barta. They go to Apocalypse. I did see a review online. Somebody hated the fact that this was how the story ended at the last issue. Like, he was like, oh, you know, I don't know why middle-class white people have to make such a big deal out of out of having kids because they had this moment where Barta comes uh, and she sees another Fury there on Apocalypse who's supposed to inspect her for weapons, and they used to work together. So she's like, hey, girl, how you doing? How you been? How's the kid? All right, great, blah, blah, blah. I just have to check and see if you have any weapons. No? All right, you're yeah. good. Like, you know, I think the the reviewer kind of missed the whole point that it's it's less about glorifying having a kid and more about, um, you know, appreciating being able to do the normal things when you never envisioned yourself having a normal life to begin with. 
you know, I think I think that's it. You know, I still, you know, wake up in a bed and I'm like, oh, this is fucking nice. <laughs> you, know, you know, some days I woke up in bed, some days, I, you know, some days I didn't. Like, you know, it is it it is important to appreciate those things. And, you know, you see a lot of stuff online where they're like, you know, talking to people with mental health issues. And it's like, if you've gotten out of bed today, you've done something other people didn't have the strength to do. Like, yeah. You know, you take you take your small victories where you can get them because that's that's what they are. Um, and now we, you know, we're on our way to Scott handing over the baby to Darkseid. Um, and yes, Darkseid, he he eats a, a carrot dipped in ranch sauce, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, oh, really quick, I want to just go over how there was a moment during the negotiations between uh, New Genesis and Apocalypse where Scott and Barda did kind of, you know, they were on Apocalypse and they were staying there, and you know, they kind of relived a little bit of their childhood. That you know, they got into the the you know the rivers of lava and flames and. You know, talked about the old times and stuff like that. It was, uh, it, it was definitely interesting because, you know, when that's the only childhood you have to look back on, I guess you do kind of look back on it with some sort of positivity. You take what you can get. Yeah, I, I you know, during those negotiations too, I really like, uh, you know, obviously Scott is is leading those talks and, um, uh, his his like, I guess. You know, stepbrother uh, Calabrac, Calabrac. I, f- I forgot how to say his name. He's yeah, something like that. He's he's getting really frustrated. He wants to like killing one of the prisoners, you know. And he's he's yelling at Scott. And um, he, I think uh, here here is Mister Miracle says, Calabac brother, when will you finally learn? I'm not some new Genesis toddler. I'm not Orion eager to play your games. I'm Granny raised, and I don't waste time on the dead. Prisoner exchanges will be governed by the findings of the commission. That's it. That's the fucking end of it. And uh, Calabac goes, whatever, you know. And and then the next the next page, you see how scared Scott actually is. He's shaking, and he's you know he's telling Barda, he's like my my teeth are clattering, you know, like he he had to be so tough and act like he wasn't bothered at all. But in reality, you know, he was frightened, but he was putting on this strong the strong face but i i just thought it was such a cool moment for him to to kind of stand up to them and show them you know he's he's not going to just bow to their will well yeah that unlike Calabac, who has to scream all the time you know scott he he doesn't have to like he doesn't have to be that guy because you know he you know like you said he's granny raised he knows who he is and you know i i've probably mentioned it before like me with like my martial arts experience like I don't have to be the fucking tough guy all the time. Like, you know, I'm not going to get upset over, you know, I'm not going to start a fight over people throwing words around and everything like that. Like, no, like it's, it's, it's going to take a little, a little more than that, you know, cause I know what I can do. And that, yep. and Scott does have the, you know, this, this awesome confidence, you know, but also I think the next scene where the one thing that does make him different is that he, he didn't like that that person was killed by Calabac. No. You know, no, he's he was like, I don't worry about, about the dead. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, he does, yeah. And I think Barda says he was dead either way. This is a better death for him. It was quick. You know, he didn't get tortured. And, you know, yeah, she's trying true. to ease his mind, you know, because he's like, I don't want anyone to die. You know, he, wa- he wants to do the right thing and help everyone. Yeah. Uh, and, and in this scene, we also see a panel that says dark side is which is a common reoccurring line i think in every issue of the book from the first issue on um and we constantly see that dark side is dark side is and i I think it comes from a grant morrison uh run too like 
Like he's very big into the whole dark side is with his when he writes uh, Justice League and Dark Side. But yeah, yeah. Tom King. I was reading an interview uh, by you know that he had, and he basically said that you know he it was another writer. He didn't mention Grant Morrison. It was someone else, I believe, that had kind of brought up the idea to him like, what is Dark Side to you? Because for a lot of people, Dark Side was the only character that really scared them in comics. Like he was actually a frightening, you know, entity. And so I think that Dark Side is like, yeah, what is he to you? You know, what is Dark Side to you? What does he represent? What you know, what what horror in your in your closet is Dark Side? Um, and it's the one thing that I think that really truly scares all these characters throughout the book. You know, Dark Side. He's you know he's he's unkillable. They think he's he's this. He's like the devil, right? You know, and and it's a, yeah. it's really frightening. And now, uh, you know, Scott has to come face to face with him again to to finish his negotiations. Yeah, to give to give his son up to this guy. And I also yep. want to piggyback off off the dark side is because, like you said, we did see it in a few previous issues, and it's kind of like that thing, like when you remember something bad that's happened to you, and it just comes up out of nowhere, and it's one panel, and then it's gone. You know, you're like, all right, it happened. I want to put it away. But like it starts becoming more and more often after Orion gets killed. We see dark side is dark side is like it's everywhere. And yes. So Scott is at this moment where he and Barda have to face it. And, uh, you know, he he gives the kid to dark side. Dark side uh, rips his his eye out so he can no longer control the Omega beams and use the anti-life equation. And uh, and, you know, we know that dark side is now depowered and Scott decides can I just say bye to my kid and he lets this whole monologue about I don't know what my father said to me and I never remembered it and you probably won't remember this but just know that you have a father you have a home blah 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 and he holds this kid and hugs him and that's when they enact their plan to to have this fucking cosmic cannon on the bottom of the stroller uh, which you know which if you want to look into it this way as parenthood is their weapon in this case because guess what like you can't lose at this point. You yep. know, it's for your kid. And she's hitting Darkseid with this cannon, and he is still able to overcome it, punch her in the face. She's down. And then he starts going after Scott, throwing him around, hitting him. And the whole time Scott's holding his little baby boy, trying to keep him safe. He's not fighting back. And, and you know, the baby is on the ground crying, and Scott's on the ground. Everyone seems unconscious at this point. And, you know, I don't remember what Darkseid said. He's probably like, oh, you motherfuckers, you thought you could, you know, take me. And um, and <laughs> Barda has this beautiful moment where she's able to just get a few words out. And she goes, Scott, stand. And finally, you see that everything in his life has been building him toward this moment for him to be able to just shake off the bullshit and stand no matter what's thrown at you. And that's what Scott's able to do. He just, all right, standing, gets up gets a knife that Barda specially forged out of Orion's dead body because that's the also the DNA of 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 Darkseid. So almost said apocalypse. That's also the <laughs> DNA of Darkseid and he's able to to grab that knife and stab Darkseid through the eye socket over and over again. He's finally able to defeat his demon while shouting fuck you fuck you, fuck it's you so every yeah. time you stabbed it through the eye. And they talked about that that prophecy like over and over, right, of the son of Darkseid would kill him. And now you have the adopted son of Darkseid killing Darkseid with a knife made from Darkseid's actual son. So it's, uh, it's kind of awesome. Yes. 
And that wasn't the line he was supposed to say, right? Like he was, I think him and Barta had practiced something else. Yeah, escape this or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I thought we practiced that. Now you cursed in front of the, you know, in front of Jake, Jacob, and he's like, he's like, you did too. And she's like, that's different. Like the, it just, you know, there was great character moments. It was, and then, uh, and then we have the appearance of Metron in the Mobius chair, the best chair in the universe, as we know. <laughs> and um, and it's awesome because at this point they're like, oh, you said fuck in front of the kid. You said fuck. What? And then it goes to Jake. Jacob, the little baby, and he goes, fuck, F-U-U-U-G, <laughs> when, when Metron appears. And we don't really get to see what happens with Metron. We just go into post-everything, where Scott and Barda are back to their normal lives. Well, he does say there's another world. He shows, an, an like, there's a splash page, one of the only in the book that's not in nine panels, of all the heroes, like, in the DC Universe, from Superman, Nightwing, uh, Donna Troy, Orion, actually, like... You see all a of beautiful them. world where all of these heroes always win and save the day. Yeah. Now, did you interpret this as like this was Scott's moment to get to that world? Or yes. Okay. I think he's saying like now you know he he this is what he says he says you challenged the unchallenged you dared the trap of death and you escaped and now it is time my son time to look in the face of God and hear your cheers and take your bow where you are not where you are is not where you should be Scott free. There is another world. So I think he's trying to tell him, like, like, you know, come on, let's go back. Let's go to this world. You think this is a Jacob's Ladder scenario? Yeah, it is, definitely. So, all, which is why he's named, his son is named Jacob after Jacob's Ladder, which yeah. they specifically mentioned in the story. So this whole time, it was Scott choosing to... So wait, but that would mean that this whole time, Scott's been bleeding out and dying. Like as the whole, as all twelve issues have been playing out, and at the very end, he chooses not to live, not yes. to go back to the world of the Justice League. Exactly. That's pretty fucked up. I didn't read it like that. Oh that's yeah, fucking me up now. Absolutely, yep. And that's why you know in the in the last issue, uh, he keeps seeing all these different people that we've seen throughout the issues. You know, we he sees uh, Bug. I think Bug tells him you're in hell, right? Like you, you Forager. Know. He sees so, Forager. Forager, thank you. So now yeah. you're in you're just in hell like forever. You know, dude, you should have gotten out. It's miserable here. It's all death and fire. Look what happened to me. I'm telling you, there isn't a speck of hope in it. You know? And, and then uh, he sees Granny Goodness. Yep. Oberon. Yeah, he sees all these people that are telling him, like, oh, this is hell. And then at one point, oh, this is this is heaven, like when he's with Barda yeah. and everything. Now, wow, I mean, that's kind of fucking me up. I actually, I saw it more as he he was actually given a chance to truly escape his life and go to a world where everything would be happy, but instead he decided to stay in a world where things are ugly because that's where he found his true happiness with Barda and Jacob. That's a, I like that. Um, I, I, de- I think I de- you're... I, I think your version's correct, but I prefer mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he wanted to escape his life and he did you know he finally did in in this and that's why you know in the very last uh last page you know he's talking to barda um barda actually says dark side is you know and he's like uh, yeah i know but we are too scott free <laughs> mr miracle what is oh, wrong great. with you he goes i can always escape and she goes can you and that's the end and it says the mr miracle series will not continue will not be continued so you know, I get hmm. the idea is that I guess could he still escape death? Maybe he always escapes. Maybe there is a chance in the future he will choose to. But 
Uh, he's not. He's not right now, and you know there, there will not be another issue because he's choosing to to pursue this this world, this death that he has chosen. Jesus. I mean, the thing that really fucked me up about it was like, you know, especially when like you know you're smoking and stuff. You do kind of had those moments where you're like, you know, is that you know what's real, what's not real? You know, is this is this world? You know, is this the world I deserve? Have I done bad things? Like when bad things happen to you, you might think, oh, this is your own personal hell. But when also good things happen, like sometimes I do legitimately feel like I don't deserve good things. And I feel yeah. like, you know, like I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And and that's that's kind of where I felt Scott was at at the at the last part of that. I mean, Tom King says in that interview, he also says that. You know, it's not about a guy overcoming his trauma, but a guy who is traumatized finding happiness absolutely whether or not he whether or not whether or not you go with the of he died or not or whatever but in the end that is scott free the one we've been following for these 12 issues that is his choice to to find happiness in what some of us would consider a mundane life but it's a life that he was never given the choice to live i do think uh there's a lot of feelings about suicide, you know, and, and I think, you know, it was very hard for me to wrap my head around for many years. And I always thought it was a selfish choice. And, you know, I always was like, if you, if you, you know, if you commit suicide, you know, you're just hurting the people around you, but you don't know what, what that person's gone through. Um, and, and who are we to say that maybe that's not what true happiness is for them. Maybe that's finally peace, you know, uh, and maybe that's for Scott. That's what it is. You know, suicide finally brings an end to his suffering. And, and he finds that happiness. Well, yeah, because, like, it's kind of like, no matter what, because of everything, he cannot be happy. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people see it as the idea of, like, oh, I hate myself or I hate my life, so I want it to end or whatever. Like, I, you know, I've also seen more that it's the idea of you just don't want to continue to feel all of the bad stuff that you've been feeling. And... You know, it's kind of the the best way out at that point. You know, I I wouldn't I haven't done enough research on it. I'm literally just quoting memes and shit that I've seen online about mental <laughs> health and everything. And you know, as I said, like I've never felt that way at all. I've only ever had one moment. But when I did, it wasn't a, you know, a violent thing at all. You know, it was just, huh? What if I wasn't here? That's it. Yeah. That, that was, you know. But overall, I would definitely recommend that you read this uh, this book. It was it was great. It was it was hyped up just just the right way. I think um, I am gonna have to come to terms with the fact that Scott did kill himself at the end. I'm gonna do some deep diving and see if that's indeed true. But I no, I, mean, I did some last was, night too. <laughs> and, they, uh, oh, so then you would know for sure then. I'm I'm yeah I'm 99 sure that's that's. Send what, me some articles. Send me means. some articles. We'll yeah. throw them in the show notes. Listen, re, uh, listeners, read it and make your own distinctions. Uh, it is it's it's a great story nonetheless. I do love the humanizing of superheroes. Um, I, I I really 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 liked the art, uh, which you know there there are some fun interviews that Mitch Gerards has where he talks about how you know he switched from uh, how he switched from print you know like pencil and ink to digital to you know save time because you know he even says like you know at a certain point in your life you realize that time is more important than money because like. Comic book artists, they do make a lot of money from selling off their original art, but, you know, for him, it's just quicker to do it digitally. 
uh, you know, speaking of the art uh, on the panel he was on, he drew Scott Free with this huge beard, which uh, originally the man who who had that beard was the original Mr. Miracle. And yeah. we see throughout the story from the beginning to end, Scott does grow this huge beard that's very similar as if he's becoming the old Mr. Miracle. And on the very last issue, he shaves it and he's Scott again. And it is, you know, it is this really great moment. Yeah, definitely check it out, guys. It's uh it's a great read, you know. It's just a really good comic book. It's Tom King at his best. Um, obviously, a very personal story, and uh, the art's amazing. The characters are amazing. So I think it's one of those things where the journey is more important than the destination at the end. You know, it doesn't really matter what that ending is. It's it's how you know Scott comes to terms with things because that that is what's happening. You know, he's coming to terms with his life and and possible death, and uh, he can always escape. And maybe that's the mindset it's supposed to give all of us, too, that, you know, maybe not we should try and escape our problems, but no matter what we run into, stand, and you'll be able to find a way out of it. That being said, those are my final thoughts on Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Gerards. Have any final thoughts, Ty? No. Check it out. Read the book. It's great. In the meantime, make sure to listen to us and rate and review on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the iHeartRadio app. You can find us on Twitter at PolitiPopPod. Find us on Instagram at PolitiPopPodcast. Email us to let us know your thoughts at PolitiPopCast at gmail.com. And don't forget to find our show notes and sources at PolitiPopPodcast.wordpress.com. We're not just making this stuff up. And speaking of stuff that deals with trauma and surviving, we'll be writing out today on a song that also brings tears to my eyes, much like this comic book did, Praying by Kesha. Special thanks to you, the listeners. Special thanks to all, to all of our new followers. And special thanks to Antonia Little for logo design. For the Politipop Podcast, I've been Mike Booch. I've been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're listening to, no matter what you're reading, always remember to never stop thinking, never stop learning, and... Read between the lines. You brought the flames and you put me through hell. I had to learn how to fight for myself. And we both know all the truth I can tell. I'm just say this is the wish you farewell. I hope you're somewhere. Pray it. Pray it. I hope your soul is Oh, you're so good at it.